Okay, so over the last few weeks, um, in experiencing God, and if you're, again, you're visiting, we're going through this book, but, and we, we're referencing it every week, but you don't have to have done the book to get, make sense out of the service. Um, and so over the last few weeks, we've been learning a foundational truth. And if you're going through the book, or you, last week when Al Kinnanen was here, and we, I put that chart on the, on the screens, and I talked about it, and then Al talked about that, that process of experiencing God that was up there last week, um, that, I've always kind of wrestled with that thing a little bit because I didn't get something. And it's never stated, and maybe he would, even the author would disagree with me, but when I came to terms with looking at the first two things, oh, it's actually up there, thank you, and thank you for being quick because I didn't tell you to put it up there. The first two, that God is always at work and the relationship, that God wants to have a, relation, a real and personal love relationship with you, that those two, I always just had to kind of, kind of figure out how does this really all work. When I came to terms with those first two things are just foundational truths, then the whole rest of it began to make more sense to me because I said foundational truths that were laid in my life about how I experience God, that God's always at work, that he wants a love relationship with me, and then the next things were kind of the process of how I began to experience it. And so the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about this idea that God is always at work around you. And that right now, say this, say right now. Right now, that God right now is accomplishing his mission. He's not on vacation. He's not resting. He's God. And he right now is accomplishing his mission that here in this place at Portview Church today and everywhere on the planet, he is on mission. And he's working. Matter of fact, John chapter 5, verse 17 says this. In Jesus' words, he says, My father is working until now and I myself am working. You know why it's really important for you to grab that? You know what a lot of people think about God? Matter of fact, maybe the one that I think is supposed to be Moses on the cover of the Experiencing God thing, but uh, people kind of look, think of God that way. Big old beard, sitting up in heaven. I don't know what God, I don't think God, God's spirit, he's not body. So anyways, but they think he's sitting in a cloud somewhere. But that's not the picture Jesus paints of God or, or of himself. John five seventeen, he says, My father the Lord, the Father, this is Jesus talking, God is working until now, and I myself am working. God, friends, is at work, accomplishing his plans and his purposes. And I want you to understand something about this today. I want to try to, we've talked about it a little bit, but I want to take it kind of, maybe dig down, drill down a little deeper and help us to understand some really important facets of this a little more today, because it's going to bless you and help you as you connect with God. Such an important truth to understand because once we grasp this idea that God is at work, what it does is it opens up our eyes to look for God's activity. We begin, when we understand he's working, instead of just thinking he's on a cloud sitting there, we think that we understand that God is active in his mission of seeking and saving the lost, helping people grow and develop. That when we understand that's always going on right now, that right now, time is it? 9.51 at, Port, at, at Portview Church in Port Washington, Wisconsin, this morning, God is working in every one of our lives. He's working in the lives of every person in our community right now. And when we grasp that, when that revelation hits us, suddenly our eyes are opened to the fact that we can look for his activity. And it, and it, it tweaks us. Our ears become, we want to tune our ears to hear his voice speaking to us about how we, as his followers, 
can engage with him in his mission. That when we understand he's working, we understand his principle, that he invites us to join him, what happens is, we then our eyes are more attuned, our ears are more in tune, and we're trying to say, God, how can we engage with you in this mission? And then, I would tell you this, that when we see what he's doing and hear his voice engaging us in the mission, that, my friend, is where you really experience real life. That the fullness of life that those that we can experience with Christ as we see his mission, hear his voice in the mission, and engage in a mission, that's the fullness of the life he has for us. And I'd say this, that people who don't know Jesus and don't engage in his mission can never experience anything remotely like we can experience when we have that connected relationship with God. The world can do all kinds of things. Ask yourself this, what do you have and do that the world can't do? The world can have all the fun we have. And that's all right to have fun. But what they can't do, the world meaning those who don't know Christ yet, they can't do is experience God. We can experience God and that is, that's the fullness of life, knowing that you're engaged with the creator of the universe. You know, we look and listen for God's activity because we know that's where the divine meets the human. And that's where we experience God. That's why this is so important, getting that foundational truth that God's always at work around me. Because it changes how I walk through the world. And as it changes what I look for and, and hear, then I experience God differently. I'll really experience Him instead of just overlooking. And we'll find out later, you can just overlook what God's doing. Go through life blissfully, probably be on your way to heaven. But never really experience Him. Never really encounter Him. Never hook up with the divine. And you miss everything God had for you, all the blessings He had for you. And some of those people go, can they turn into Eeyore Christians? You know Eeyore? Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore, one of my favorite Winnie the Pooh books. Winnie the Pooh and Pooh Sticks Bridge. Used to lead it to the boys. You know, remember it, boys? Where they would throw sticks in the water on one side of the bridge and they'd watch them float under the bridge on the other side that was playing Pooh Sticks. But then Eeyore encounters them and he goes, you know, I don't know what his voice sounded like, but to me, oh dear. And he says this, feels like earthquake weather. What's earthquake weather feel like? I don't know. Eeyore figured it was earthquake weather. Everything's bad. You know, that's how a lot of Christians become. The reason you do, you're really, you can really know God, but you're not, you don't believe. You don't believe, number one. We don't believe that God's really at work right now in your life and all around you. And the main thing he's trying to do is open your eyes and unplug your ears to seeing what he's doing so that he can invite you and say, join with me so you can experience the divine. Church, God is always at work around us. Let me tell you a right now story about how this was true in this church last week while we were at church. Matter of fact, please keep writing your testimonies for me all through experiencing God. Maybe we'll start a process where you just keep doing that forever because God's always at work around us. And we want to celebrate that through experiencing God. We're doing this thing where I'm saying, write down your testimonies and thank you for those of you who have been doing that. And so let me tell you a right now story where God is at work. Matter of fact, I'm going to talk about two of them today, one now, one later. This is what it says, reading it word for word. When I came to church last week, I had no food in my fridge and no money to buy any. The donuts at church were our, kit, were our breakfast. I gave our need to the Lord and told him that I left it all up to him to take care of us and supply our next meal. After church, someone came up to me 
and handed me a wad of cash. I like a wad of cash. <laughs> a wad of cash. That means a lot of cash. I'm not sure how much. A wad of cash. And they told me this was from God. When I counted it, I just cried with thankfulness. It was enough to buy food for the week and gas in the car to get to work. Our God supplies. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the important part. They said, thank you, Jesus. They understood it was an encounter with their part. That was their side of the encounter with God. I'm sure they would have said, thank you, person, whoever the, the wad giver was. But here's the deal. They said, thank you, Jesus. They understood that God ministered in their life. Friends, at Portview Church, we're people who care. That's our motto. People who care, directed by God into His ministry. We, have, we want to have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is saying so we can engage with Him in what He's doing. That person had no idea that the per other person came to church and said, I don't even have food to eat for me and my kids. And said, God, God told me to give you this. Now, someone had to hear from God to speak about that need and join in his ministry. And they both then experienced the divine. And that's where real life is found. So keep giving me your written stories, your written testimonies of how God is doing it. And you know what? Tell me on the other side on how you were sitting in church and God spoke to you and said, do this need, meet this need. Because, because sometimes we're not as... That's, that's as much or more in my experience of experiencing God. When God, when I hear God's voice and He says, join me in ministry. And so keep them coming in. Now, since it is true that God is always at work around us, then we need to do something about it. As, as people, who's a disciple of Jesus here? Okay. You know what disciple means? A learner, a follower. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, then... He has some expectations of you. Expectations for your good, but expectations. And when we understand this idea that God's always at work, work around us, then we need as disciples to be watching for God's activity around us so that we can join with Him in what He's trying to accomplish. And that's what I want to concentrate on today. I want to concentrate on you and me watching for the, identity, the activity of God, how you and me can identify what God is up to so that we can join with him. Now, I want to start by talking about a, just referencing a story that we read in full about four weeks ago and just reference it and take it a little different direction. In, in Luke chapter 19, and I'm, I'm just going to reference it because we say we read it about five weeks ago. Um, there's a, a story told um, about how Jesus identified the activity of God in the life of a person that we know as Zacchaeus. It tells about this encounter in Luke 19 and, and how, how um, Jesus was going through this crowd and this certain man named Zacchaeus who was a crook, he was an embezzler, he was a cheater, had crawled up in a tree to watch Jesus go by. He was very interested in Jesus. And how Jesus saw him in the tree and called him down and they had an encounter and that Zacchaeus came to faith in Christ that day that he experienced God on that day. Now, the thing I want to point out about this encounter is this. Very important point. God was at work at that time in the life of Zacchaeus. And Jesus was able to identify that in the midst of a huge crowd of people, Jesus was somehow able to figure out that Zacchaeus was 
that God was working in Zacchaeus' life and Zacchaeus was open to the work of God. And so Jesus was able to then give attention to Zacchaeus at that exact moment. And Zacchaeus responded. And here's the way that Blackaby says it, and, and this will change how you do outreach and, and touch people for Jesus. Said this, the crowd wasn't the harvest. The harvest was in the crowd. That that was the key. That when Jesus walked through the crowd, he understood something, a principle, that the crowd wasn't the harvest. And sometimes we feel this like, it's so overwhelming. How can I tell the world about Jesus? And Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry about the world. He said, the crowd isn't the harvest. The harvest is contained within the crowd. You get what I, what I mean by that? Jesus didn't focus his attention on this huge crowd around him. Rather, he looked for those who displayed evidence that they were open to spiritual activity and Jesus focused his attention on those people. The crowd wasn't the harvest. The harvest was in the crowd. Friends, understand this. Not everybody in that crowd was open to the activity of God. And right now, not everybody in your world is open to the activity of God. In fact, most of the people in that crowd were closed to the activity of God at that time. And the proof is that they really had that encounter with Jesus walking through their midst, talking to them all, and they only not, not only did not respond, a little while later, they killed them. So they obviously didn't have an encounter with God. They killed the one who was God in the flesh. And so the crowd wasn't the harvest. The harvest was in the crowd. But Zacchaeus was ready spiritually. And he was the harvest in the crowd. Church, God wants to show you who is ready around you. Who around you is ready? Who's spiritually beginning to open up so that you can focus your attention on them to help them come to Christ and experience full life in Jesus. Listen, a big mistake that we usually make is investing a lot of our spiritual energy into people who are not ready to receive and to respond to Christ. They're not ready. Think of it this way. A good illustration just to think of it. We often try to harvest unripe fruit. You know, Jesus called the harvest field a field, and he said some are ripe for harvest, and Obviously, some weren't, but there was a whole bunch of people who were ready. When we, when we tried, what we, we do is we try to harvest unripe fruit. We try to pick, let's use the word example of apples. We try to pick apples before they are red, assuming it's an apple that's supposed to turn red. So we want to pick apples before they are red and ready to be harvested. So we, we want to force green apples to become ripe before their time. And so what do we do as, as individuals and as churches? We try any means possible to try to get an unripe apple to look like a ripe apple. And so we try to force it to become something it's not. We try to reach people at their flesh level instead of their spirit level so that we can just say, because we're so concerned about them, that you are now a ripe apple, come on in. But the reality is they're still a green apple. And so what the church has done historically in that situation, it just dumbs down everything it does, and it begins to do ministry in a way that just appeals to people's flesh to make them feel good. And so that bunch of green apples are just sitting in church, saying, but we go to church, and we clap our hands, and we raise our hands, and, and we give money, but they're still green apples, and they've never been really harvested. They've never come to know Christ. 
And so we're not supposed to harvest unripe apples. Um, and so we try to force, think of this, we try to force family members and friends to come to Jesus when they're not ready. And what happens is they usually, a couple things, either they reject what they say so they get mad at you, they harden their hearts possibly against the things of God, and sometimes they're lulled into a false security just saying, that we say to them, if you just attend or you just pray this prayer, you're all right, but there's never a heart change involved. It's never talk about the fact that when you come to Christ, it costs you everything, but you gain everything. Jesus told stories about that. It's like a man who finds a costly treasure in a field, and he sold everything he had to buy the field to get the treasure. He said it cost him everything, but he gained everything more. But it cost giving up everything in order to find it. So we, we don't tell those stories because we say they might not like that story. And we, we so desire to see them become red apples that we try to force them to be a red apple when they're not ready. You know? And we, then what we conclude is somehow we're doing something wrong. That somehow we just didn't pray enough or we just didn't say it right. Well, friend, the message isn't wrong. The method wasn't wrong. It's that oftentimes we're trying to harvest people who aren't ready to be harvested yet. So what's our job? Our job is to watch for ripe fruit. It's to look to see who is a red apple and ready to come to Christ. Who in the crowd of your life is ripening? And not spend all of our spiritual time trying to harvest green, unripe fruit, badgering your spouse or badgering your kids or badgering your relatives about coming to Christ after you've made it clear what the gospel says. Just keep badgering them about it, which won't ripen them at all. We understand that God wants to reach all people, so God will ripen them through the events of their lives. And oftentimes the events are really hard things and painful things that they walk through that cause them to say, this life is really tough, there must be something more. And that's the ripening process. So we look for people in hard situations and probe to see if there's an openness to God in their life. Because the openness to God is the sign that they're, be, that they're open, that they're beginning to be ripened and ready to come to Jesus. And I want to help you today to identify who those people are who are um, ripening fruit. And to do that, I want us to think about two verses. Are you with me so far? Two verses. And these are verses, they're, they're hard verses because they, they go against our own ability to do anything. But you know what? I've learned I'm so much happier and more content when I understand that I can't and God can. That it's not, that God hasn't put the weight of the world on my shoulders. That he hung on a cross and took the weight of the world. And he said, just follow me. Just love me and love people. So two verses that are going to help us here. Romans 3, um, verses 10 and 11 is the first one. It says this. There is no one righteous. Say no one. There is no one righteous. Not even one. I like the way God does it. He clarifies. There is no one. Shouldn't have to then say not even one. But he's trying to make a point. There is no one righteous. Not even one. There is no one who understands. No one who seeks God. No one who seeks God. Another verse. John six forty four. It says the same words again. No one, say no one, no one can come to me, to Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him. So no one can come to Christ unless the Father 
draws him or pulls him in. According to these passages, what's it say? What's the truth it teaches? People don't seek God on their own initiative. People won't ask about spiritual matters unless God is working in their lives. So, when you encounter someone who is seeking God or asking about spiritual matters, you are seeing God at work. And that's what you're looking for in your world. As we remember, God's at work everywhere, and we're trying to watch for and listen for what God is doing. That's what you're looking for. Let me give you a right now example of how this just worked in Suzanne's life at work the other night, Tuesday night at work. And she told me I could share this. Tuesday night, Suzanne, if you don't know, Suzanne's a nurse at Aurora Hospital, and she was working, she worked second shift, and she was working at the hospital. And um, that was the first night she was at work after, and I'm going to be kind of generic here, after we had been to see a doctor about a situation in our family where there was the possibility that one of our immediate family members was possibly facing a very serious illness. And some of the nurses knew about the situation because Suzanne had been asking questions about it. And some of them that night asked her how things were going. What had we found out from the doctors? And Suzanne was able to tell them that everything that we had prayed for, and we had prayed for three specific things to happen, and that all three things that we prayed for were happening and that things were going to be fine, even though they knew it looked like it might not be fine at all. And as she talked about prayer and she talked about God, which she said she's never had that opportunity before the whole time she's worked there. If you know anything about nursing, and I don't mean to sound funny, but this is what I've learned about nursing, they didn't even have time to go pee. <laughs> she's in a different world now, and all these jokes come on Facebook and stuff, and they're all about how nurses never have time to go pee. I'm like, I never thought of this before, but they don't have time. And she said it's the first time in all time she's worked there that there was a time when everything kind of calmed down and she had an extended period and all the nurses, like 30 minutes, right? A long time, she said, never happened before ever, that everybody was right there for an extended period of time and she was able to tell them um, that everything we were praying for was working. And then she talked about how they were praying, talked about God, and some of the nurses began to ask questions and she was able to tell them about Christ, very openly about Jesus, and one lady, who Suzanne says is always very anti-religion, was the one who really keyed in and began to say, kind of like this, so this Jesus stuff is really real? You mean this stuff really happens today? God really? And so another lady pipes up and says, she says, of course he does. He gave me a brand new kidney. And she began to talk about how God miraculously healed her. And she said, I got a pile of sack of x-rays and labs that big to set a new kidney. They went to do a new kidney. And they said, we don't know how to explain it, but you got a new kidney. And she goes, well, I know how to explain it. God answered my prayer and gave me a new kidney. And these, and these ladies were going, you mean, especially the one, the anti-lady was going, honestly going, you mean this stuff is really real? She never believed it was real in her whole life. She goes, this stuff is really real? And... So Suzanne understood that she was interested and she saw her as ripening fruit. doesn't mean she's ready to come to Christ today, but ripening fruit. And she was able to then clearly testify, to talk about Jesus and invite some of them who seemed interested to come to church. And some said, we're going to come to church. Matter of fact, one had a little revelation and goes, 
Wait a minute, I was looking for a church. Now I know who you are. I saw you on your website. <laughs> and it's on our website is a picture of me and Josh and Brett and Suzanne down at Lake Michigan in a big huddle. She says, that's how I know you. I've seen you on your website. You know, and didn't know till that point who Suzanne was. So I asked Suzanne and asking her for, because what happens is she comes home and then I ask her what happened at work. And she's always got all these things to go, you know, tell me. It's always really great. And, and so I asked her, what did she think? What, Suzanne, what did you think was happening at that moment? And she said this. She said, I saw that God was at work in some of these ladies. So I, so I connected and began to invest in their spiritual lives. She said, I recognize the activity of God in the lives of those people. You know what another way of saying it is? She saw the ripening or ripe fruit in the crowd and began ministering there. That's the whole principle I'm trying to make a point of today. The fruit is in the crowd. The crowd is not the fruit. Um, they ask questions. These ladies, who's even the, the anti-lady, they began to ask questions because God was drawing them to himself. What do we read? People don't seek God on their own initiative. When they seek God, it's a reaction to God's activity in their lives. And he was ripening them for harvest. And what I want to train you to do is to walk through life looking for that. That's what God wants you to do. Henry Blackaby says it like this in, in the, in the, I think in, chapter, in week four. He says, look for things in people's lives that only God can do. And he gives a list of things only God can do. These are the things he says. He's got uh, seven of them. He says, only, or six of them, only God can do these things. He says, only God can, number one, draw people to himself. We read that. Only God can pull them to himself. Only God, we read this, God can um, cause people to seek him. Only God can do that. Only God, another text, can reveal spiritual truth. Without God revealing truth to you, spiritual truth, you don't get it at all. I don't get it at all. You're not, you just can't intellectually study scripture and come to the fact of understanding that God is who he is. God reveals spiritual truth. Only God can convict the world about sin. Only God can convict the world about righteousness. And only God can convict the world about judgment. And so Blackaby says this. When you see one of these things happening you know God is at work. He is at work when you see someone coming to Christ, you, when you see somebody asking about spiritual matters, or beginning to understand spiritual truth, or experiencing conviction of sin, they start to feel, like, I felt uncomfortable about doing that before, but now I feel uncomfortable. When they, when they um, experience being convicted of how righteous Christ is, Christ's righteousness, or they begin con being convicted about the fact of judgment, that I'm going to come under judgment for what I do. Those are things that, according to Scripture, only God can do those in the life of a person. And Suzanne saw a lady beginning to understand spiritual truth. You mean God really does that today? And she began to see some, act, some, some people asking about spiritual matters, and she understood that was the activity of God. Now listen right here at that point, at this point. Friends, when you recognize that, that is your invitation to join with him on his mission. At that moment, that's his point. 
You don't have to go home and pray and say, oh, should I do something? That's the point. doesn't mean you, you grab a four spiritual laws track and you shove it down their throat and say, meet Jesus. But you identify it and you begin to, to connect. You begin to invest into their life. So you can invest and invite. You begin to invest into their life. That is the invitation. When you see God doing something, you see the Zacchaeus in the tree. That's the invitation to join God in his mission. And when you recognize God is working, that is where you focus your attention. Not on, listen to me, I'm going to blow some of you away when I say this. Not on your prayer list. I'm all for prayer lists. But when you see God doing something, I'm all for praying for your lost friends and family. I do it. But when you see God working, that's where you put your energy in. Not on your, not on your prayer list. Or not on those things that, things or those people that you think are most important right now because you don't know what's in the heart of man. Only God does. So the way we become productive is we partner with the activity of God in the lives of people. That's what we do. We look for what God is doing. Listen, church. We need to learn from Jesus. We need to do what Jesus did. He showed us what he did. We need to join the Father in what the Father is doing. And we can be really busy and really committed to what we think we ought to be doing for God and miss what he wants us to do with him. And what we do with him is where the production is. And not production in the sense of we get notches. Production in the sense of the joy of, of our humanity connecting with the divine, seeing God do miraculous things, and we get to experience God. It's when we join with what he is doing. You see, friends, it is possible for God to be working all around us and for us to miss his activity because we're not looking for it or we're too consumed with other things. It's possible for individuals. It's possible for churches. It's possible for whole denominations to do it, to miss what God is doing. Scripture tells a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 about the prophet Elisha. And Elisha had his servant with him, and, and they're being pursued by an army that wanted to kill them. And in the story in 2 Kings 6, um, Elisha and his servant are in the city of Dothan and they are surrounded, surrounded by an enemy army and the servant is terrified that they're going to die and Elisha was calm. And the servant can't figure out why Elisha is calm and Elisha understands why the servant, servant is not calm. So Elisha prayed a prayer and this is the prayer he prayed. He prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And that's when it happened. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And it says that he saw the hills around Dothan were filled with the army of the Lord. It says, I believe it says chariots of fire and horses of fire. The army of the Lord, the real army of the Lord. That there's a real army of the Lord. It's a real, a real spiritual battle. And God has real angels. And the, God opened his eyes and he saw the spirit world. And he saw the army of the Lord was all around the hills and that they were much greater and mightier than the human army that was, asked, that was around them. Friends, only when the Lord opened his eyes did he see the activity of God all around him. Friends, let's not be blind to what God is doing. God is always at work around us. He wants to reveal his activity to us so we can join with him. And he reveals his activity when we see other people being open to the activity of God. 
that they are being ripened by ripened for the harvest. That's what we're looking for. Those are the people we share the gospel with. Those are the people we invite, we invite to church. Those are the people we invest into. Jesus summed up his whole, all those scriptures. He said, love God and love people. And if we really love people, we want the best for them. And if we want the best for them, we want them to know Jesus. Right? And so God says, partner with me. Because he loves people. He loves them so much he sent his only son to die for them. And he says, listen, I want to show you where I'm working. Stop trying to just do it on your own. He said, just, just walk through life understanding I'm always at work. Open up your eyes. Look for this reality. Sometimes it's at work and all of a sudden a comment comes out and you say something and, you, and boom, you understand. God is doing something here. And you join with the activity of God. This week, here's my hope for you. I want you to ask God to show you some red apples. I want you to ask God to show you where some red apples are hanging in your life. Fruit that is ready to be harvested. And I want you to to say, God, I'm I'm ready and willing to minister in those people's lives. And simply, all you got to do is ask questions. What's going on in your life? And then follow the path the Holy Spirit leads for you. Does that sound easy? Let's stand together this morning. Would you join me in prayer? I want to just pray for for us as a church. Lord, thank you that you are always at work around us. Thank you that you love people so much that you're always working. And Jesus, you said the Father's at work and you're at work. And this amazing thing is that you invite us to join with you. God, I ask this. If we tend to have blind eyes, would you open them up? You talk, Jesus, about people who would see and not see and hear and not hear. And we want to see and hear. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would open up our spiritual eyes and unstop our spiritual ears. That, Lord Jesus, we would begin to see what You're doing around us. We would be like that servant with Elisha. That our eyes would be opened and we would see that You are active all around us in the lives of people. And that we get the excitement, the joy of putting aside our own agendas so that we can experience what it is to partner with You in your mission, because your mission is so much more fulfilling and so much greater than any mission we could concoct on our own. So, Father, we ask, open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Lord, by faith, for our congregation's sake, I pray this prayer today that, Lord Jesus, We commit ourselves to the harvest. We commit ourselves to the glory of the Lord. We commit ourselves to to first and foremost just seeking all of you. And then as we walk in this love relationship with you that is the core of our life, that becomes the core of our life, that then, God, you would 
Show us ripe fruit, red apples. Because God, we want we want we want to encounter the divine. We want to experience you. And we know it's in joining in your mission that we experience you. And so open up our eyes. Unstop our ears and we commit ourselves to your mission.